0: <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor.
1: Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, I've got a new treat to offer up: Tales of the Texas Rangers. It was a procedural drama, in many ways, Jack Webb's Dragnet with a Western flavor, which originally aired on NBC from 1950 to 1952 and later on CBS television from 55 to 58. Film star Joel McCrae voiced the radio version as the fictitious Texas ranger Jace Pearson, who used the latest scientific techniques to identify criminals. His faithful horse... Charcoal, or Charkey, helps Pearson to track down the culprits. The radio shows, some of which were available on the Internet, are reenactments of actual Texas Ranger cases. Captain Manuel T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez, who was said to have killed 31 men during his 30-year career as a Texas Ranger, was the consultant for the TV series. and He'd been uh, the same thing for the radio series as well. Now, how about Joel McRae? Well, he graduated from Pomona College, class of 1928, where he had acted on stage and took courses in drama and public speaking while appearing regularly at the Pasadena Playhouse. And even as a high school student, he was working as a stunt double and held horses for Cowboy stars William S. Hart and Tom Mix. He worked as an extra stuntman bit player from 1927 to 1928. He moved to RKO in 1930, where he established himself as a handsome leading man who was considered versatile enough to star in both drama and comedies. McCrae reached the peak of his early career in the early 40s in Alfred Hitchcock's Foreign Correspondence. Performing in westerns was a return to what he had done earlier in his career, and McRae enjoyed the genre. In a 1978 interview, he said, and I quote, I like doing comedies, but as I got older, I was better suited to do westerns because I think it becomes unattractive for an older fellow trying to look young, falling in love with attractive girls in those kind of situations. The minute I got on a horse and a hat and a pair of boots, I felt easier. I didn't feel like I was an actor anymore. So let's get him up on his horse charcoal for the episode entitled The White Elephant.
2: Wheaties presents Joel McRae and Tales of the Texas Rangers. On stage tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, another in the Wheaties big parade of exciting half hour presentations. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles. And 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. From the files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight The White Elephant.
3: It is January 16th, 1950. The time, 6.28 p.m. A freight train just outside of a West Texas town gains speed and rolls through the gathering dusk. Inside a gondola car, a hobo crouches in a corner as the brakeman comes toward him
4: this is where you get off. Now, listen, pal, just let me get to the next town. Just, just I me... said this is where you get off. But we're moving. Yeah, I... you get on while we was moving, you can get off. Now, come on or I'll dust the top of your head. Now, listen, don't, don't, don't do it. Get you. don't... on your face me... like this. You know, let, let go. Oh, you let me get off. Huh? Oh, no. ah. I told you to let me alone. No. Right? Slug me, will you? Oh, yeah, get me.
5: I'm coming.
2: Tales of the Texas Rangers will continue in just a moment. You take a
6: nice, ripe, plump kernel of wheat, and you roll it out flat, and you toast it a little. And what have you got? A Wheatie. Do that over and over and over again, do that enough times, and pretty soon you have a whole bowl full of Wheaties, and you can sit down to breakfast. Now, of course, you and I know not many people go to all that work to get their breakfast Wheaties. They just tip up that big Wheaties box and let those crisp little flakes tumble into the bowl. And you know what? When you do that, you get the very same 100% whole wheat goodness and energy that you would get if you rolled out your own Wheaties flakes kernel by kernel. And the best tip I can give you is to tip the Wheaties into your own bowl first thing in the morning and see how Wheaties at 7 can help at 11.
3: At 2.55 a.m. of the morning following the freight train incident, a rancher named Banker noticed a small coupé parked on the shoulder of the road. It bore Oklahoma license plates. Banker turned his spotlight on the car, saw a man slump down on the driver's seat. A half hour later, Sheriff Caldwell, notified by Banker, began investigation of the murder and called in the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned to the case. And a few hours later, Pearson, Banker, and Sheriff Caldwell stood at the scene. Pearson listen to Banker. It was just about three this morning when I saw it, Ranger. How come you were driving along this road that late? I've been to a rancher's meeting in Almiris. I was going to spend the night there and change my mind. Uh-huh. Did you take this road when you left for Almeras? Yes,
7: sir. What time? Uh, yesterday morning, about uh, 7, 7.30. And then this car came here sometime between 7.30 yesterday morning and 3 this morning. I guess so. You never saw the dead man before, huh? That's was the first
3: time I laid eyes on him.
7: All right, Mr. Banker. You can go. Hey,
3: You need me, I'll be
7: home. No identification on the body at all, huh, Sheriff?
8: Nothing in the pockets. Picked clean as a whistle. Anybody else been around the car? Nope. Deputy kept his eyes on it.
7: The car's facing west. Going west when it was stopped. Tire tracks on the shoulder tell that. Mm-hmm. Blood on the seat. Yep.
8: 38 bullet on it. 38? Might be a police special.
7: Banker got one? Banker, but... but Just ask him. For now. You see, I... You see something? Look here, Sheriff. Huh? Set of tracks leading up to the car. Ordinary shoes, not boots. Heel marks are too broad for boots. Yeah, looks like it. Look at this one. Sole print with a hole in it. Now look. The prints lead from that way, north, up to the car. And a little scuffle. Then the prints turned back north. Mm-hmm. In other words, Sheriff, somebody walked up to the car, stood there, then turned and went back north. Oh, and here's something else. Grease. Looks like grease. Smeared on the car door. Same side footprints are on. The grease might be from the car. Oh, it looks too stiff and heavy for that. Yeah.
8: What about it coming from a freight train, Jace? Why? Well, there's tracks about a mile north of here. Freights use a side and a pull-on when passengers got to pass. hmm
7: Maybe it all ties in, Sheriff. A shoe with a hole in it, grease, freight siding. Yeah, it might be worth going after. Where do we start? Here at the car first. I'm gonna check it over inch by inch. Meantime, you get hold of a freight schedule. I'll meet you at your office. When I checked the car inside and out, I found a few things that were interesting and a little puzzling. I sent a sample of grease to the laboratory for analysis and took plaster casts of the footprints. Then went on to Sheriff Caldwell's office. He had the information I'd requested.
8: Here it is, Jase. Schedule of freights went through yesterday. How many? Three of them.
7: You can check those, all right. Of course, we might be sending dogs up the wrong tree.
8: Looks like a hobo to me.
7: Yeah. Let me see the dead man's fingerprints. Sure, here you are. These match with some of the prints in the car, see? Closed delta. Yeah. How about those others you got? Picked these up on the door that had the grease on it, smeared all over. A couple clear enough to use, only. Yeah, only what, Chase? You know, there wasn't a single print on the steering wheel. Seems like the dead man's prints ought to be on it. Gloves? I didn't find any gloves on him, nor in the car. Yeah. You know, by the way, I got a call out for any hobo picked up or seen on those trains. Good. Now, oh, I found these tucked under the sun visor in front of the driver's seat. Gasoline receipts made out to Carl Thompson.
8: Oh, that'll save a lot of checking.
7: forward the dead man's prints anyway. That steering wheel bothers me. Excuse me, Jace. Sheriff
8: Coldwell. Oh, yeah. Good. Hold him. We'll be there as soon as we can make it. Something else, Jace. Brakeman in one of those freights we've been checking has a story. Some hobo slugged him and jumped. Okay. Let's go.
7: the approximate spot, the hobo jumped off the freight. Sheriff Caldwell and I picked up the trail and followed it by horse. We hoped to apprehend the suspect before he could reach a town and lose himself and us. After six hours, we stopped. What's the matter, Jace? Tracks are different. Come here and take a look. Different? Yeah, look. The right print's a little deeper, favoring his left a little. Hurt himself, huh? Must have twisted his leg when he took the jump off the freight. Kept getting worse. Sat down here, smoked a cigarette. Here's the butt.
8: He ain't gonna make such a good time with a bum leg. We've been traveling at a steady trot.
7: Uh huh. Okay. Let's get going. <laughs> trail showed increased favoring of his left leg. His progress became slower. More and more often he stopped to rest and the trail became fresher and fresher. Evidence in the deserted shack showed suspect had rested there for quite a while. We picked up the trail again. We're getting close, Sheriff. How do you know? Notice something just now. Take a look at these prints. Hmm. Same as the ones we've been following. Not quite. Hole in the right shoe. Not that. I'm talking about this anthill he crushed. Well, what about it? Quite a few of the prints had anthills in them, crushed and rebuilt. So? Ants start working on a new hill when the old one's been tramped down. This one's so fresh, they haven't had time to rebuild. Hey, that's right. He can't be far off. So we better leave the horses tied up here, Sheriff, and start moving on foot. Denied anything and everything about the crime. We took him back and I kept questioning him, but he stuck to his story.
4: I never was there. I didn't do it.
7: Ever own a gun, 38 police special? I
4: told you a hundred times I never owned no kind of gun.
7: How'd you take all that skin off your arm? I
4: don't know. Fell, maybe.
7: You got that while you were running away. When you jumped off the freight, after you slugged the brakeman. No, no. Grease on your jacket. How'd it get
4: there? Yeah, maybe, maybe off in the freight.
7: Sure. That car we showed you. The one you said you'd never seen before.
4: That's well, the truth.
7: Is it? Hold up your right foot. Well, Hold it up. Yeah. Hold in the right shoe. Yeah. What of Here's a plaster cast. Cast at the print of the scene of the murder. Take a good look.
4: Yeah, but I wasn't there, I tell you.
7: Ever hear of fingerprints? Oh, sure. Here are yours. And here's a set found at the crime. They match. You still say you weren't there? I didn't kill nobody. Let me see your hands. Yeah. When'd you wash him last?
4: I don't know. Maybe a couple of days ago.
7: You know we can tell if you fired a gun. I never had no gun. Did you rob the man in the car? No, no. Look at me. You were there, weren't you? We can prove it. All right. All right. all right, I was there. But I didn't kill him. Why'd you lie? Well, I was scared. If you're innocent, you don't have to be scared. Look,
4: Ranger, I, I got a couple of wraps, bag wraps.
7: That all? Hey, sure, sure. We can check that, too. All right, oh, right. I got a couple of wraps for pinching stuff. Nothing big. Now, look. Tell me exactly what you did. Well, well I, I
4: come in off a freight. I was walking across when I seen the car. I figured it was funny, something funny. Why? Well, car parked like that. Then I walked over, seen the fella in there. He was
7: dead. I beat it, hopped the freight that all? You know what else up to now. Did you get in the car and uh, No, sir, no, sir. Did you touch the body or take anything from I,
4: it? I swear, Range, I didn't.
7: Did you touch the steering wheel and then wipe it off?
4: W- wipe it? No, no. What for? Look, i tell you.
7: Jase? I... Yeah, Sheriff? Come here, will you? Sure.
8: You stay put.
4: I got no place to go.
8: Here's all the dope in the murdered man, Thompson. Come in just now.
7: Carl Thompson... Resident Tulsa, Oklahoma. Traveling salesman for Prince Extract Company. This check? Double. Now with the gasoline receipts. Mm-hmm. What about him? The hobo? Yeah. I think the only crime he committed was failure to report what he saw. His fingerprints were all over the outside of the one door of that car, and none inside. Seems to me if he thought of cleaning up the inside, he'd have done the same outside. Yeah, looks like it. We'll give him the paraffin test anyway and see if he's fired a gun lately. And if he didn't? Start all over. And start with that clean steering wheel.
2: In just a moment, we continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson.
6: I guess nobody gets much of a taste treat out of taking their calcium and iron and phosphorus or their vitamins straight. But you simply have to have all those things to keep feeling good. And you should have them first thing in the morning, too. Because morning's the time you do most of your big day's work. That's when you really need the energy. You see, morning is the time when you really Uh, should...
2: wait a minute, Frank. Uh, Why don't you just tell them this? See how Wheaties at seven can help at 11.
6: Why, you took the words right out of my mouth, of course. Wheaties at 7. Because Wheaties have all those vitamins and minerals. That's how Wheaties give you the zip it takes to feel eager and ready for anything all morning long. Whether you drive a truck or plow a field or if you're just plain busy with a multitude of household duties. And Wheaties do you another big favor. Wheaties wrap all those vitamins up in a wonderful, sunny, toasty, nut-like flavor that fairly hollers, give me some more. Wheaties are crisp, they're munchy, you know, fun to chew on. Taste as good going down as they make you feel when they get there. So do this, will you? Not for me, but for yourself. Hurry on down to the Wheaties tomorrow morning and just see for yourself how Wheaties at 7 can help at 11.
7: The result of the paraffin test was negative. We held the hobo pending further investigation. I reported back to my captain, Stinson, at company headquarters. I told him I was pretty sure that the hobo's story checked out. Yeah, it looks like it. But somebody killed Thompson. Killed him and then drove him in his own car to where that rancher spotted it.
2: There wasn't anything on Thompson, huh?
7: No money, no papers. Only these. Gasoline charge account receipts. Somebody went to an awful lot of trouble to clean him, but they overlooked these. Mm Mm-hmm. On top, this looks like a plain case of murder with robbery as the motive. But if that was it, why go to all the risk of being spotted in a car with Oklahoma plates? Why not just kill him and leave him? I don't know, Jace. What's your thinking? Well, Thompson was a traveling salesman. Traveled a lot in a few days. Now, suppose the killer realized that with Thompson far enough away from the scene of the crime, we'd have a pretty tough time finding out just where the murder was committed. Yeah, that could be. But why? Well... Maybe the killer couldn't leave the spot. So he did the next best thing. Took Thompson's body away. And maybe it wasn't just robbery.
1: Or well, what else?
7: I don't know yet, but... I got some more checking to do. It'll take maybe a couple of hours, and then I might have some answers. <laughs>
2: flowers on the nose, Jace. You get anything new?
7: Some more dope on Thompson, Captain. He never carried much money, never was known to have picked up a hitchhiker, and I got a pretty good idea of where he was killed. These gasoline receipts tell a fair story. Yeah? How? Well, this one, for example, dated the 15th day before he was killed, made out in Bannon. He got 16 gallons of gas there. Oh, did you ever think somebody else might have been using his credit card? Yeah, but Thompson traveled that route pretty often. Chances are he was well-known at the service stations. Yeah, that's right. Okay, go on. I ran a mileage test on his car. He got about 17 miles a gallon. Now, his tank holds 16. I did a little figuring. Just about enough gas was used to get him from Bannon to where his body was found. But he could have been killed anywhere between Bannon and where he was found dead. Sure, I know that. But it still looks like my next stop is Bannon. Uh, howdy, Ranger. Howdy. Uh, how many? Whatever she'll take. Ah, uh, sure thing. You the owner here? Ah, uh, yes, sir. How long?
9: Oh, a couple of years.
7: You work alone?
9: Well, nights, yeah.
7: Take a look at this, will you?
9: One of my receipts. Credit card stuff.
7: You know this Carl Thompson?
9: Yeah, I'll see him every, oh, four or five months.
7: When'd you see Thompson last?
9: Well, the evening he bought that gas. Why? Anything wrong, Ranger?
7: Was Thompson alone that evening?
9: Why, uh, yeah. I never remember him ever having anybody
7: alone. What else do you remember about that evening?
9: Oh, one of the worst sleet storms we ever had. Hit like oh, it'd a... be tough for him to drive then. Huh? Oh, sure. And, hey, um, he was asking about some place to stay.
7: He never stayed in Bannon before.
9: I don't know. Leastways, he didn't know much about the places. I told him to try the hotel. He said it was full up. He said the motels were jam packed. The lousy weather. You know where he went. Well, he was going to try and find a place along the highway. Why, anything wrong?
7: Plenty. Here's for the gas. I might come back and ask you some more questions. Thanks. I began a check of every possible place Thompson might have stayed that night. But I drew one blank after another. Then I got a lead at a motel on the outskirts of Bannon.
1: Sure, Ranger,
9: I remember that night. Sleep was an inch thick. We was full up here, but I sent him to a place down the highway, the Star Motel. Been closed and up for sale for quite a spell, but I heard it was opened up again.
7: Star Motel. It was closed tight. Every cabin was locked, the windows boarded. There wasn't a soul around. I was just about to leave when I noticed something. The electricity must have been on somewhere in the place because the little wheel under the dials of the meter was spinning. It was enough to send me back into town to ask a few more questions. Now uh, let me
8: see, Ranger. Star Toast. Uh, yes, sir. Here's
7: what we want right here. Uh huh. Are these all electricity bills? Yes, sir. Let me see. Up to three months ago, the bills were just for meter installation, minimum service charge. That's
4: right, Ranger.
7: But for the last three months, four seventy-five, three eighty-nine, five sixty. Hm. Kind of funny, isn't it? The place is closed, but for the last three months, the bills have averaged over four dollars a month. Didn't that seem peculiar to you? Well, Ranger, we just... Sure, yeah, sure, I know. Now can you give me the name of the person to whom these bills were sent?
8: Get it for you right away.
10: Why, yes, Ranger, Mr. Carlson's here. I believe he's on the phone right now, but if you come in...
7: Thank you, ma'am. You Mrs. Kelson? Yes. Hope I'm not bothering you any, Miss Calson.
10: Not at all, Ranger. My husband's here. Oh,
7: yeah? Yeah, I see.
4: I think that would be raised. Okay. Yeah, sure. Tell you what, I'll come out a little later. I'll bring the client with me. Sure. Thanks for
7: calling. Goodbye.
10: Andy, this is Ranger Pearson.
7: Oh, hello. Sorry to barge in like this, Mr. Calson, but I got a few questions. Questions? Sure. What about? You own the Star Motel, don't you? Yes, I do.
10: Star Motel. Oh, that white elephant.
4: White elephant? <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to get rid of it for two years. Why? Well, like Bessie said, it ain't been worth a hoot since the new highway went in two years ago. We have the traffic that used to pass it. It hasn't been used for two years? Well, I guess I didn't mean exactly that. What did you mean? I tried to keep it going for a year after the highway went through, but... Couldn't rent
7: enough rooms. Wasn't worth trying to save. You got the keys to it? Keys? Sure.
10: Is something wrong, Ranger?
7: Might be, ma'am. Can you take me through the motel, Mr. Calson? Anytime. Right now, suit you. Couldn't be better. Let's go. <laughs>
4: I ain't been out here for close on three or four weeks. Did you go through the cabins then? Oh, just take a look. See, kids sometimes fool around. That's why I boarded up the windows. Want to take a look in the office? Yeah. Go ahead, Mr. Carlson. Sure. Nothing in here, Ranger?
7: No, nope, there's not.
4: Anything in particular you're looking for?
7: Yeah. You have this floor washed lately? Oh, heck no. Ain't no use paying for something like that. It's been washed recently.
4: Huh? But why? How do you know?
7: Scrubbing wood with hot water always raises the grain. And hot water isn't as good as cold to wash out blood stains. Blood? Blood?
4: Reach! Hold oh, What? What's uh-huh. uh-huh. away from the council, Ranger! Now hold it! Sit down! Go on! Look! Hey! Come on! What the devil is this? Who are you fellas?
7: My guess is a couple of men I want for murder, Mr. Calson. Murder?
3: Just get the telephone wire.
4: Everything okay? Yeah, First that guy. Me? Why, I never carry a gun. Well, we'll just make sure.
3: Yeah, he's clean. All right, now strip the Ranger's gun belt.
7: Wait a minute. You got the drop on me. Maybe I'd have to be a fool to draw. But if you don't want me to be a fool, don't touch these guns. You try and take them off me, and I'll go down using them. And I might get lucky.
3: All right, Locke. Let him alone. He's too smart to start anything. Go get the panel truck out and start loading our stuff fast.
11: Well, what about them?
3: We can lock them in. Fix their car so they can't get out of here for a while after we leave. If they try to come out while we're still here, we'll blast whatever door or window they try to come through.
7: Get that, Ranger? I get it.
8: Okay. I'll be outside,
4: Chuck.
7: So your name's Chuck, huh? Good as any.
4: What are you and that other fellow doing in my place? Go ahead, Chuck. Tell him.
3: Some other time, friend. Now you two listen. Because I ain't going to say this twice. Try to bust out before you hear us drive off and you'll get it good. Now stay
4: put. Oof. They got us locked in. Yeah. Look, oh, don't go near that window. You heard what he said.
7: Little crack in the boarding. Just taking a look.
4: What are they doing?
7: Come here and take a look for yourself. Oh, I should have watched the place more. I, I never knew anyone was using it. And used plenty. Look what they're taking out. Furs, all kinds of stuff. It's beginning to make sense. Closed down motel made a nice storage bin for stolen, unsmuggled goods till they could run it to the markets. Oh, they'll
4: get away you. You said there was a murder. Take it easy, Mr. Calson. We'll get him. We'll be across the border in a half oh. an hour before we
7: could even reach a phone. Maybe you better take a chance and get shot down in cold blood. No, but we'll get him all right. Know why, Mister Calson? Why? Because you'll help. I pinned Calson with a quick headlock and then got one arm up behind him and applied pressure so I could keep him still while I had a free hand. I reached into his jacket and found what I was looking for under his shoulder. Then I pushed him. Away. Are you crazy? He almost broke my arm. Oh, shut up, Carlson. Don't you think I saw this gun bulging under your coat? And they deliberately missed it when they frisked you? You played it real smart. Almost.
4: Well, I don't know what you're talking about.
7: This gun and the electric bills. You paid them. Paid bills that were being run up in a place that was supposed to be shut down. Seemed kind of funny you never complained to the power company. So what? So you got a phone call from your friends out there. They tipped you because they saw me nosing around here earlier, right? No. Okay. Okay, take a look out there. They're almost finished. In a couple of minutes, they'll be gone. In half an hour, they'll be over the border. How about you? You want to stick back here and face a murder charge? There's nothing you can prove. There's plenty we can prove, Calson. And you're holding the bag. You'll have a tough time explaining those electric bills and them missing your gun. I didn't kill that man. Did this Chuck do it?
4: Yeah, yeah, that salesman come in. Joe was going on. Chuck killed him, then drove him away.
7: All right. Now listen real careful to me. I'm going to fire this gun of yours. Then you hammer on the door and holler for him, get it? What do you want to Just do Just listen. When they come up, tell them you had to kill me. Tell them to open the door. Then Mr. Kelson, step back and out of the way fast. They'll be gone in a minute. Make up your mind. All right, go ahead. I'll do it. Any funny tricks, and you get it first. Now, ready? Hey, turn that door and follow
4: her. Chuck, Look! give me a pass. Open the door.
7: Now, when it's open,
4: step back. What's the matter, Allison? Open the door. I had to kill him. He was making a break for it. Did you just knock him out? Reach, both of them. Hey, what's the big idea? Are you?
5: Oh. Oh.
7: Back for him later, Calson. Meantime, let's you and me get back to town. I got you a deal for this White Elephant Motel. You can trade it for a jail cell. <laughs>
1: Stay tuned for The Great Gildersleeve next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for The Great Gildersleeve on Theater of the Mind.
12: Kraft presents The Great Gildersleeve. <laughs> yeah.
7: Cheese Company, makers of parquet margarine and a complete line of famous quality food products, presents Harold Perry as the Great Gildersleeve. Kraft brings you the Great Gildersleeve every week at this time, written by John Whedon and Sam Moore, with music by Claude Sweeten.
6: Great Gildersleeve.
9: The curfew tolls the knell of parting day. The lowing herd winds slowly o'er the lee. The water commissioner homeward plods his weary
6: way. <laughs> Leaves the world to darkness and
12: to me. Wonder what's for dinner. Tired tonight. Tired but happy. Grass needs cutting. Oh, well, perhaps I can interest Leroy in the problem. Anybody home?
10: Hello, Anki. Oh,
12: didn't see you there, my dear. How'd
10: it go today?
12: Oh, pretty well. My secretary's back.
10: Bessie?
12: Yeah, Bessie's back.
10: Well, how come? Tell me about it.
12: Just hang my hat here and I'll be right in. No, her boyfriend walked out on her. Terrible thing. <laughs> yeah.
13: Good evening, Mr. Gilsey. Nobody told me you were home.
12: Good evening, Bertie.
13: I'll have your dinner ready in just a few minutes. Now, don't you worry.
12: Well, who's worried? Did I say anything about dinner? I'm in no rush.
13: No, sir, but I know when you get home, you like your dinner.
12: You got You think I never thought about anything but eating. What are we having, Bertie?
13: <laughs> well, sir, there's a war on.
12: All right, don't tell me.
13: But I think you're going to like it.
12: Any mail come today, my dear? I don't know. Bertie, any mail today?
13: Yes, because the package came for you. It's up there on the mail.
12: Why doesn't somebody tell me these things? Package, eh? Hi, huh? Oh, hello, Leroy. <laughs>
10: What's the package? I don't know. What's in it?
12: I don't know. I'm just unwrapping it. Who's it for? It's not for you.
10: Well, who's it from? Look on the outside there. It usually tells. Will
12: you keep your hands off of it? Okay. The package was addressed to me.
10: I just thought you might like to know who was from, that's all.
12: That we will find out all in good time. Well.
10: What is it, Uncle Mort? A book. Nuts. You...
12: <laughs> what do you mean by that?
10: Nothing. I just thought it might be something, that's all. What is the book, Uncle?
12: Well, it's something I subscribe to. The Book of the Century Club. This is the first one they've sent me.
10: Who got you into that?
12: Nobody got me into it. <laughs> recommended to me by your principal, Miss Goodwin. Recommended very highly, in fact.
10: What's the name of the book, Uncle? You haven't told us that.
12: Well, let's see here. It's called America What? Oh, sounds very interesting.
10: (laughs) Yeah. What's it about?
12: Well, it says underneath here, Civilization at the Crossroads.
10: Boy, I can hardly wait. Can I read it next, Uncle?
12: Wouldn't hurt you to do a little reading, Smarty, instead of listening to those radio programs. Aren't
10: you right?
12: You too, my dear. Wouldn't do you any harm either.
10: Well, I read all the time.
12: Yeah, movie magazines.
10: Well, I haven't seen you read a book in five years.
12: Well, I've been busy. I'm going to start tonight.
10: Miss Gillespie, dinner. chow, Uncle.
12: You're right ahead, children. I'll be right in.
10: Leroy, <laughs> you don't have to check her first.
12: America What? By Lloyd Q. Smith. Very interesting. Hmm. 319 pages. <laughs>
13: Mr. me
12: Yes, you can take it, Bertie. Just leave my coffee, will you?
13: Mr. have you going anyplace tonight?
12: No, Bertie. Just planning to spend the evening at home with a good book. Why?
13: I wondered if it would be all right if I go to the movies tonight with Lily B. Seems like I ain't seen a movie since Romance on the Rancho.
12: Go ahead, Bertie. Uh, but what was Romance on the Rancho?
13: <laughs> oh, it was just a picture. It had that Jack Dunlap in it. He killed me, that man.
12: Oh? Who's Jack Dunlap?
10: Never heard of Jack Dunlap? I bet Miss Marjorie knows it. Sure, he's married to Linda Delacarte.
12: Who's Linda Delacorte?
10: (laughs) A starlet. They split up for a while, but now they're back together. He gave her a diamond collar for her Scotty.
12: (laughs) (laughs) You see what I mean, Marjorie? If you spent more time reading worthwhile books instead of all that movie stuff, everybody ought to do more reading. You too, Bertie.
13: Seems like I don't get much time for reading somehow.
12: Anybody can get time if they make time. Now, I'm a busy man, but I'm going to spend the whole evening reading a book. I expect to enjoy it, too.
13: Yes, sir. Well, if it's all the same to you, I'll take my enjoyment at the movie.
12: All right, Bertie, go ahead. Goodness knows you've earned it. Let's go in the other room, shall we, Marjorie?
5: Okay.
12: Yes, yes. Let's see. Where did I... Leroy, are you reading my book?
10: Are you kidding?
12: (laughs) Get up out of my chair. Doorbell, Bertie.
10: I'm coming.
12: She's coming. <laughs> oh,
14: good evening, Judge. Good evening, Bertie.
10: Is Mr. Gildy? Yes, sir. He's
12: right in there. Hello, Judge. Come in.
10: Well, well.
14: little family gathering. Hello, Marjorie. Leroy.
10: Hi. Hello, Judge.
14: Get your hat on, Gildy. We're going down to the Jolly Boys Club.
12: Not tonight, Horace.
14: Oh, you got to. I just found out this morning it's Peavy's birthday.
12: Yeah. Well, what do you know?
14: Yeah, I called up four or five of the boys, and we're going to get him down there and give him a little surprise party. It'll be more darn fun.
12: Gosh, I'd like to. Oh, come on.
9: He can't. He's got to do his homework. What's
10: that? (laughs) (laughs) Miss Goodwin assigned him a book. He's got to read it and give a report.
12: Leroy, that's not true. I'd go if I wanted to, only I don't want to.
14: What's this about a book?
12: Well, is there anything so strange about it? I plan to spend the evening here with a book. Alone? Certainly.
14: Doesn't sound like you. Must be a fascinating book. What is it?
12: Well, I've got it right here. It's called America What?
14: America What?
12: That's it. America What? Who wrote it? Uh, Let's see. Lloyd Q. Smith.
14: Who's Lloyd Q. Smith?
12: Well, he's a writer. He's important. (laughs) How do you know? Because this company only publishes important books. It's the Book of the Century Club.
14: The Book of the Century Club. What does it do, publish one book every hundred years?
12: (laughs) All right, it's a mighty good book, and I intend to read it.
14: Well, if you get tired of the book club, drop in at the Jolly Boys.
12: I have better things to do, Judge. Night, Marjorie.
14: Night, Leroy. Night. Night. Good night. Say good night to your uncle for me. Bookworm.
12: (laughs) Go on, you illiterate old goat. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Are no more interruptions, I may be able to get a little reading done. Just get settled here. What are you reading there, my boy?
10: Huckleberry Finn.
12: Well, that's a good book. Why don't you read something, Marjorie?
10: I may later. I'm writing a letter now.
12: Yes, nothing like reading. I wonder if you'd mind getting me a couple of cigars, my dear, over there in the humidor. Always like to have them handy when I read. Leroy, would you be good enough to shove that footstool under my feet? Oh, what's that? Never mind. I'll do it.
5: I'm going now, Mr. Gillespie. All
12: right, Bertie. Have a good time. Uh, Bertie? Yes, sir? I wonder if you have any apples out there. Might like an apple later to munch while I read. Relieves the monotony sometimes to have something to chew on. I'm sorry,
13: Mr. Gillespie. There
12: ain't apple in the house. Oh, yes. yes, yes. Well, let it go. Good night, Bertie.
13: Good night, sir.
12: Kind of friendly and nice, isn't it? Everybody reading here and writing letters Leroy, your uncle spoke to you Uh, What's that? I said it's kind of friendly and nice here with everybody reading
10: How can I read when you're talking to me all the time?
12: (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me Hmm. Well, see what the book says here who are you writing to, Marjorie?
10: Aunt Hilda.
12: Oh, good girl.
10: I've ordered a letter for about three months.
12: Give her my love. You know, the thing about reading...
10: Oh, no, for course
5: I'm going to lie!
12: What's the matter with him?
10: He gets like that.
12: Hmm. Well, what I was going to say, you spend all your time running around and seeing people you call your friends. But books are your best friends if you only knew it. Yes, sir? I remember an old professor of mine at college saying to me, Professor Griswold, he taught me English literature. Old Grizzly, we used to call him. (laughs) Old Grizzly. ah, George, I haven't thought of him in a long time. Grand old fellow and a great teacher. All the students loved him and looked up to him. I was a sort of a pet of his. (laughs) He used to invite me over in the evening sometimes, and we'd sit there in his study in front of the fire and discuss good books. I remember him saying to me one time, Gildersleeve, he said, Marjorie, where are you going?
10: Well, if you'll excuse me, Uncle Mort, I think I'll go upstairs. I've been trying for months to get this letter written, so if you don't mind...
12: Not at all. Go right ahead.
10: I'd love to hear about your professor. Sometime.
12: Yes, yes. Go along. Seems I'm not very popular around here. Well, Griswold was right. Books are a man's best friend. At least they don't run out on you. Well, let's have a look at this one. See what the fellow says. Here we are, chapter one. The 20th century will one day be known as the century of communication. And it's from this point of view that I wish to make a brief survey of world events of the last 50 years. In Europe, the tensions and anxieties of the 90s had erupted into flames. In Asia, the Japanese empire still slumbered unaware of its tragic destiny. And in America, what? (laughs) Well, he's got something there. (laughs) But what is it? I might just read it again. Griswold used to say, always read for the sense. Don't just look at the words. Uh, good old prof. Yes, uh, those were the days.
5: <laughs>
12: those were the days. <sighs> well, try this again. The 20th century will one day be known as the century of communication. I follow it so far. And it is from this point of view uh, I wish to make a brief survey of world events in the last 50 years.
7: Gildersleeve has fallen a victim to the Sandman. A happy smile makes a dimple on each pudgy cheek.
12: He must be dreaming. Finest <laughs> 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 hey, college in the good old USA. Oh, he's dreaming of his alma mater.
10: Hi, Fort Morton.
12: Oh! Hi, Charlene. You want to sit next to me? Do I want to sit next to the queen of the campus? I sure do. <laughs>
13: <laughs> this morning, students, we shall begin to consider the most fruitful period of our poet's career. When Keats began to pluck with his magic fingers the same inspired lyre which Homer, Milton, and Daddy had plucked centuries
12: before. Hey, Charlene. <laughs> What are you doing tonight?
13: Anything you say, John What is more gentle than a wind in summer? What is more soothing than the pretty hummer that stays one moment in an open flower? that a are having a weenie roast tonight? You want to go? That sounds swell.
12: Pick you up right hour. after supper.
13: Now we ask ourselves, <laughs> what is the poet's feeling in the passage we have just heard? Mr. Gildersleeve, can you tell us?
12: Uh, Me?
13: You're the only Gildersleeve in this class, are you not?
12: <laughs> well, I... Like to... Yes, sir.
13: Well, then give us your notion of the poet's meaning in this passage. Um,
12: was it, uh, something about life?
13: Uh, Mr. Gildersleeve, I would like to see you in my study at 8 o'clock this evening.
5: Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs>
13: Mr. Gildersleeve, I regret that I have found it necessary to send for you. The fact is, however, that your work in my class thus far would be a disgrace to a sophomore in high school. But, Professor... Your knowledge of English literature is infinitesimal. Your appreciation of poetry is microscopic. In addition, you're inattentive and your spelling is atrocious. Professor... Unless you can show a marked improvement in your work, I shall be compelled to place you on probation.
12: Probation. That would mean I'd have to resign as assistant manager of the golf team. I'm sorry,
13: Mr. Gilfried. I'm sorry, but that's the way it is.
12: <laughs> what, you, Paul? <follow>? Zerp? <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> uh, must have dropped off there for a minute. Where's. Oh, yes. I was reading. <laughs> book. Yes, yes. The 20th century will one day be known as the century of communication. By George, that's a good thought. Deep, but good. Kind of stuffy in here. Maybe I ought to get a little air. I'll just... Foot's gone to sleep. (laughs) Pins and needles. Did you call Something. Oh no, Marjorie, I was just thinking out loud. I believe I'll go for a little walk.
10: Oh, all finished reading?
12: Well, just for the moment. Big mistake to read too much at one time, my dear. Read a little, then reflect. Read and reflect. That's what my old professor used to say. Old prof Griswold. Griswold. Dried up old fossil. <laughs> Nice tonight. Nice moon, too. (laughs) The Jolly Boys. (laughs) By George, that's a terrible quartet. Hooker's always flat. <laughs> yes, yeah, sir. They really need me. Maybe I ought to just no, I'll get back to my book. Hey, that moon. Wonder what Eve Goodwin is doing. Might be good to get her slant on the book. <laughs>
10: Throckmorton, what a surprise. Won't you come in?
12: Well, for a minute. Guess what I've been doing, Come Eve? into
10: the parlor and see how you like it. I've changed everything around.
12: Looks fine, Eve. What do you think I've been doing? I've
10: got the sofa where the table used to be. And, of course, that meant moving these chairs to face the other way. I think it's much nicer, don't you? Great. What do you think... Throckmorton, I, I wonder if you could do me one favor.
12: Oh, mm, that's... <laughs> Faber? Uh, sure. What is it?
10: I'm just dying to know how the piano would look over here against the wall.
12: <laughs> the piano?
10: It's only an upright, but it simply won't budge for me.
12: Well, let a man try it. <laughs> 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 You sure it isn't nailed down? Oh, no. The darn thing must be solid lead. There. Now she's coming.
10: Oh, careful, Throckmorton. Oh, there, that's just the place. Uh, How do you think it looks? Perfect. I'm not so sure. (laughs) Uh, But uh, let's sit down for a minute anyway, shall we?
12: Eve, Hmm? guess what I've been doing. What? I've been reading. Really? Yeah, I've been reading a book.
10: I'm afraid the piano isn't right there.
12: Forget the piano. Ye gods, I tell you I'm reading a book.
10: Well, it's nothing to get hysterical about. What are you reading?
12: The latest book of the century selection. America what?
10: Oh, are you reading that too?
12: That's what I've been trying to tell you.
10: My copy came yesterday morning and I finished it last night. I just couldn't lay it down. Could you?
12: Well, it slipped out of my hand once. I, uh, haven't quite finished it.
10: Oh, well, you'll enjoy it, Throckmorton.
12: Oh, I am already. I got quite a ways into it. And then I thought maybe it would be fun to, well, discuss the fellow's idea a little.
10: Uh, Which ones?
12: Oh, uh, on, uh, life.
10: Well, he has some very fascinating ideas on life. Uh, did you come to the chapter on the woman of tomorrow?
12: No, but it sounds good. Let's discuss that.
10: <laughs> I must warn you, his ideas on women are quite advanced.
12: Oh, uh, You can't scare me. So are mine. <laughs> uh, look, Eve, there's a wonderful moon out tonight. Why don't we discuss this book out on the back porch?
10: <laughs> no, back
12: Oh, come on, Eve. I thought you were crazy about books.
10: I am. Books mean a great deal to me.
12: Then why don't we go out on the porch? Gosh, it's your fault I got into this thing. I mean, it was your idea for me to join the club. Now, you've got me all excited about this book, and you won't even discuss it.
10: I'm perfectly willing to discuss it, Throckmorton. What is it about the book that you find most interesting?
12: Well, the whole idea. America,
10: what? Uh, well, do you think Smith's ideas are right? Do you agree with what he says about America?
12: Well, I uh, uh, yes and no.
10: How much of the book have you read, Throckmorton?
12: Half <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean by that?
10: Do you think you've read half of it?
12: Well, maybe not half.
10: A chapter. A page.
12: It's none of your business.
10: <laughs> I don't
12: see what there is to laugh at
10: I'm sorry, I
12: can't help Well, I'm going home A man comes over for a little intelligent conversation (laughs) First he has to move pianos Then he gets a regular examination Ye gods (laughs) Hey,
14: Judge, Judge,
11: look who's coming
14: Gildersleeve yeah, I thought he was going to read this evening. Hello, everybody.
12: Hello, everybody. Hi. I can't stay, gentlemen. I just dropped in to wish Peavy many happy returns of the day. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Gildersleeve. I... <laughs> I wish you'd have a Coke with me before you go. Sure, Commissioner. Have a Coke with the birthday boy. Well, just one. Thank you, Chief. How old are you anyway, Peavy?
1: Well, we was just having an argument about that, Mr. Gildersleeve. The judge claims Peavy is 90 years old. I claim he's at least 108. <laughs>
11: You fellows <laughs> uh, fellas have been joshing me all evening, Mr. Gillespie. I wish you could have been here earlier to hear some of the humorous conversation. <laughs> well, here's your coke, Commissioner. Thanks, Steve. Happy days, Peavy. Thank you. I might just venture to repeat a remark Floyd made a short while ago. It struck me as very funny. Oh, for heaven's sake, Peavy. Let him tell it, Judge. It's his birthday. What was Floyd's witty remark, Peavy? Well, he was drinking my health, and he said, Here's to you and your drugstore. May all your troubles be aspirin tablets. The point being that aspirin tablets are small Oh, brother
12: (laughs) Don't tell me Floyd's been getting off stuff like that all evening (laughs) Yes, sir, he
1: has How's it happen we got the pleasure of your company, Commissioner? Judge Hooker said you were curled around a good book for the night
14: Yeah, what happened, Gildy?
1: Did you find
14: your brain was a little out of practice in digesting heavy thinking?
12: Nothing of the kind, Judge. I simply interrupted my reading to pay my respects to my old friend Peavy here. And I
11: appreciate it, Mr. Gilderspeed. Uh,
12: what was the book, if I may
11: inquire?
1: Yeah, what were you reading, Commissioner? A cookbook?
12: Yeah. <laughs> I was reading the current selection of the book of the Century Club, Floyd. It's about politics. Oh? It's for the Democrats or the Republicans? Neither. It's about world affairs. Very interesting. Oh. World affairs. Good subject. Yes, you'd enjoy it, Peavy. I'll lend it to you when I finished it sooner, if you want. Look, fellas, world affairs is a mighty important subject, but aren't we going to play any
1: cards tonight? Yeah, let's get down to business here.
12: The trouble with you, Floyd, and you too, Chief, is you don't bother to inform yourselves on world developments. Who don't?
1: In my barbershop, I hear six commentators every
12: day.
14: That's not what Gildersleeve's talking about, boys. Gildersleeve is now a
12: deep thinker. Listen, Hooker, I consider my brain the equal of yours any day.
14: Gildersleeve, I resent that. Hello,
12: hello. Are we going to squabble on Peavy's birthday? Yeah, but a lousy book? Well, he started it. Now, Commissioner... I
11: wonder if a song wouldn't clear the air, gentlemen. I have a suggestion.
1: There is a tavern in the town. Oh, no, 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 Peavy. Look, I got the song. Just the song for your birthday. Darling,
12: I am growing old. (laughs) Yeah, that's it, that's it. Only let the Commissioner sing the lead, huh? Come on, Mr. Gildersleeve. All right. And Hooker, for heaven's sake, try to stay on the key. Let's have the key, boy. Uh, Darling, I am growing old Silver threads among
5: the gold Shine upon my brow today Life is fading My darling, you will be always young and fair to
12: me. Yes, not so bad. Well, get on with your poker game, boys. I guess I'll get back to my book. Good night, Peebee. Uh, just one round, Mr. Gillespie. Well, seeing it's your birthday. <laughs> Deal me in, Floyd. Okay. Good night, America. What? <laughs>
7: Music on this program was directed by Claude Sweeten. This is Vern Smith speaking for the Kraft Cheese Company, makers of parquet margarine and a complete line of famous quality food products. Kraft invites you to listen in again next week for the further adventures of The Great Gildersleeve.
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Gangbusters, followed by my friend Irma. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This
0: podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.